a Radio 191 FM podcast. Mr. Speaker. Monday morning in the beautiful Otipoti, the sun is shining. It's time to talk some politics of John Moore and Jeffrey Miller. Morena to you both. Kiara Koto. You there, Jeffrey? Oh, wait, there he is. Oh, no. Oh, fuck that up. <laughs> nice. No, more no. on the radio. It's all right, I'll get back there. I'll get back there. Um, well, we'll kick it off then, um, John, with you. We'll go straight to the um, Red Research poll, shall we, uh, with the Prime Minister and Labour. Not looking so good, not looking very hot in this one. A big drop. Um, what were the results, John? Yeah, so uh, these results aren't looking very good for Labour at all. And this is, of course, the um, the News Hub Red uh, poll, which is a TV3 poll. Um, if we look at preferred Prime Minister, Jacinda Ardern, has actually dropped by 10.6%, so she's on 38.4%. Uh, Simon Bridges is on a steady 6.7%, and close behind him is his good friend Judith Collins, who is on 5.2%. And if we look at the party results, then uh, National is up 065 on 43.9%. Labour's down 92 on 41.6%. The Greens will be reasonably happy to be on 6.3%. It's always dangerous when they're hovering on the 5% mark because, of course, if you get below the 5% threshold, then you're out of Parliament mm. unless you get a electoral seat. And New Zealand First will be feeling rather nervous on 4%. Uh, interestingly enough, uh, both the uh, Maori Party, remember them, and Top, remember them, mm. uh, uh, registering on about 1% each. So that's a surprise, uh, especially for Top. Um, although it has been, uh, I've noticed on social media, that it's been... Uh, be- definitely pushing out its presence as of late. But this is a big concern for Labour. Um, going off these results, it would still be able to form a government uh, with, uh, um, with the Greens and Labour together having 62 seats in total, um, and whereas National, along with ACT, and ACT would have two seats, yes. by the way, on these results, uh, would have 58 seats in total. But of course, the, uh, the unknown factor is uh, New Zealand first. Uh, it generally polls a bit better when it's uh, election time, and if it got in, would it, would it choose to go with National this time round? Yeah, uh, Jeffrey's here. Uh, sorry that I dropped you there before, Jeffrey, but we've gone straight mm, to the research poll, so we'll get on to the um, local body stuff in a minute after this. Um, yeah, you, John, you you mentioned um, NZ First down at four, but you also mentioned as well uh, that usually between elections they do hover around mm. uh, the four, even going as low as two percent at some stages, um, in four, um, before in the past. Um, but I mean, so I think four is quite good. For them at this point in time, um, considering um, they've gone uh, probably against their natural allies with with the national, uh, what what their voter base probably would like. Uh, anyway, I think the voter base would probably align themselves with more with national. So for them to have four percent at this point is probably pre- probably pretty good. Yeah, I think you can definitely put forward their argument, and it's always New Zealand First, as you said, is always in a difficult position because uh, a large part of it, its uh, voting base uh, would would want a national-centred government. So they're always going to, if they go with Labour, they'll disappoint those um, 
New Zealand Press supporters who are pro-national more or less, and, but if they go in with national then they're going to disappoint a whole lot of um, pro-Labour voters who have voted for New Zealand first. So it's always a difficult position for them. Mm-hmm. Unlike the Greens, where the overwhelming majority of Green voters uh, preference a Labour-centred government. Yes, yes indeed. And we'll get on to the Greens in another way soon. Um, Geoffrey, um, why has there been such a dramatic drop from Labour yeah, support? Well, I think it's really interesting to look at the poll results this year. I was just having a look, if you go onto the Wikipedia page uh, for opinion polling for the next New Zealand election, you've got a summary of all the polls that have been conducted this year. And what you do notice is that you know, up until uh, the budget, uh, Labour was doing well. Um, you know, There were a number of polls that had Labour at 45% and above and clearly ahead of National. Uh, and after the budget, everything really goes south uh, for Labour. Uh, and all of these polls now have uh, Labour behind National by around two or three points uh, and National's around about the 43% mark. There was also a UMR poll, which is Labour's internal poll that was leased over the weekend, which has roughly the same numbers as the News Hub uh, poll. It has National at 41, uh, Labour at 39, uh, for example. So, you know, Labour's budget, the wellbeing budget, was meant to really give it uh, a boost, but it didn't seem to do that at all, and the narrative really seemed to change in National's favour, and I think you can look at the National Party's conference as is the turning point for this back in July, and National had quite a sharp conference that came up with this uh, new slogan, you know, our bottom line is you, and really went quite aggressive on their attacks uh, against Labour, and they also, uh, this was the time when uh, Simon Bridges had quite personally attacked Jacinda Ardern for being a part-time Prime Minister uh, were his words and this was when she was overseas a lot and so the critique was you know she's overseas she's not here in New Zealand uh, caring about you and it was also the time of the Ufumato uh, dispute uh, was heavy in the news and then soon after then the um, sexual allegations against the Labour staffer that came along uh, and it's been quite a messy time for uh, the government, uh, and they've had some positive headlines, but even they have really n- not turned out positive for the government. Um, the surplus uh, is just another example of that. Last week, um, you know, the government turned on a, a record seven billion uh, dollars surplus, but um, you know, there's been there's been criticism from both the left and the right about this. The right says, well, you should give it back to us in the form of tax cuts. The left uh, critics are saying, well, why aren't you spending? more on on infrastructure, on health, education, all these things um, when you've got so much money. So, um, you yeah, know, things haven't been going well for the government over the last few months and they're going to have to turn that around, uh, otherwise they, you know, will not be in a good position uh, in election year next year. Yeah, are they going to be able to turn around, John, or is National's new kind of nationalist approach, um, Trumpism approach of really heavy attack ads, um, you know, spinning stuff. Um, you know, is that is that starting to to show? I, I think National's attack ads will definitely be uh, hurting Labour. And of course, attack ads can only work if there's an element uh, or a large element of truth to them. Um, of course, um, people say we're in an era of uh, post-truth and fake news, but um, nonetheless, I, I, I think. Uh, 
uh, nationalist attacks will resonate with people because it feels like Labour's just not delivering. Uh, if Labour had stood on a platform that it was going to be a same old, same old situation but a bit more socially liberal and a bit more spending here and there, then Labour might be fine now. But Labour st- stood on quite a radical platform before the election of, of transformation, of effectively ending poverty, ending f- child poverty, cleaning up all the rivers, uh, making um, global warming uh, the issue of the 21st century and, and making New Zealand a leader on that question and it feels like Labour just hasn't delivered and has been rather conservative especially on economic matters so um, the Labour and, and both and the Greens have signed themselves up to these very strict uh, uh, financial rules which means that uh, they can only uh, uh, exercise limited spending they have to focus on debt repayment and they have to and, and it, it steers them away from uh, big borrowing um, so uh, for Labour to actually uh, be a transformative government economically, it really needs uh, to spend a lot more cash. Mm. That's what it comes down to. And not, I mean, even the, um, the, the surplus, even if it's spent on that, that's really not enough to, to meet the desires of, of Labour's electoral base and of those people who voted for a transformative government. Really, the government needs to borrow billions and billions and billions. And even people on the right, people like Matthew Hutton, for example, are arguing that uh, this, this is a great time for governments to borrow with interest rates at an all-time low uh, and, and there's such a need for investment in infrastructure uh, um, both uh, you know, concrete infrastructure in terms of uh, transport etc but also in terms of social infrastructure, social investment and so Labour, to turn it around it just needs to really uh, change uh, tact and, and spend big Yes, yeah, so they've hogtied themselves and they're also being slightly hogtied by the New Zealand First as well, which have been seen to blocking a few of their progressive um, plans. Certainly, that's true, but again, the, the, the financial rules uh, that, that constrain this government come from Labour and the Greens, yeah. not from New Zealand First. Yeah. Yeah, um, and th- I guess that's a, a grab at um, some um, national voters that may sway a little bit more. Yeah, and, and a fear, I think, especially from Labour, of upsetting the business community, yeah, uh, which, uh, which happened under the last Labour government with Helen Clark, where, where there was quite a strong reaction against uh, the initial reforms that were proposed by the, the Labour Alliance government at the time. Mm. And I think uh, Grant Robertson is, is very wary to piss off the business community, who, who tend to be uh, uh, negative towards Labour, regardless of what they do. Well, yeah, and we've seen a, a pretty good uh, job growth and this is pretty um, steady economy comp- con- uh, compared to the rest of the world at the moment, and still they complain. I've got to remember that businesses don't vote. Um, let's move on to local body elections. Uh, Aaron Hawkins is the new mayor of Otipoti. Um, what does that mean for the city? Are we surprised by this, Geoffrey? Well, in a way, yes. In a way, no. I mean, it shouldn't be a surprise because Aaron Hawkins was standing as the Green Party candidate, and the Dunedin electorates, especially Dunedin North, have traditionally been very favourable electorates uh, for the Greens. Um, in 2017, the Greens managed to win almost 14% of the party vote, in fact, in Dunedin North, and that was uh, compared to just 6% nationally. Uh, and if you go back to 2014, it was well over 20% of the vote that the Greens won in Dunedin North. And even Dunedin South is, is not you know, bad either for the, for the Greens. Um, so, you know, in a way, it shouldn't be a surprise that he won. On the other hand, I do think that Aaron Hawkins' campaign uh, wasn't nearly as visible uh, as what Lee Vandiver's put out. 
um, you saw a lot of Lee Vandivis posters and placards everywhere. Uh, I would have expected to see more, more Green Party foot soldiers uh, being used to uh, deliver mail drops, uh, put up more campaign signs out there for Hawkins. Um, we didn't get any uh, literature from Aaron Hawkins in our mailbox. We got plenty from the other candidates, uh, from Vandivis, from many other candidates, but nothing from Hawkins. I don't know about you, John or Jamie, um, maybe he's just missed out, but... Um, you know, it seemed that Hawkins was the Green Party candidate, but apart from the branding, there didn't seem to be a huge amount of support from the party hierarchy. Um, you know, we didn't see prominent Green MPs come down to the need to support him, uh, apart from Chloe Swarbrick, I think, who was at his launch event. Um, so it will be interesting to see, you know, how much was actually spent and, you know, if we could find more information on you know, exactly what the support was from, from the Green Party. Um, but I think, you know, Hawkins did very well um, if, if he didn't get... Um, huge amounts of support from uh, from the uh, party hierarchy there. Um, you know, Lee Vandivis did fight a strong campaign, um, but you know he fought a quite an you know in the end he had a very negative image, and that proved to be his downfall um, because of the way STV works. Uh, you know, Vandivis actually got a greater number of first preferences, and more people wrote a one in a box next to Vandivis' name than, than the people who did for Hawkins. But Hawkins was elected as mayor because he won more second preferences from voters who preferred other candidates. Um, so, you know, Vandivis being a very polarising candidate, that, you know, did see him uh, get his support, but it equally meant that he wasn't seen as, you know, a second choice by, by as many voters as for Hawkins, although it was very close in the end, so, um, you know, it, it, there wasn't much in it. Yeah, so, um, John, um, single transferable vote played a pretty big role in the selection, didn't it? Yeah, it played an essential role in the selection. Uh, as uh, Geoffrey pointed out, um, Aaron Hawkins didn't get uh, the majority of first preference votes. More people voted for Lee Vandivis uh, as, as their first choice for mayor. Um, the argument is uh, how how well do people actually understand the system of STV and, and are they aware that when they give someone a second preference vote that actually might be the determining factor in who becomes mayor um, I, I would question uh, how, how well people understand uh, STV I think it's a very complex system um, and there are arguments that you should uh, have a system like say the presidential race in France where uh, you have a number of candidates standing for president uh, and then um, if none of them get 50% um, or above of the vote, then it goes on to a runoff between the two top candidates. And we could very well have that uh, with, a, with the system of mayor. Uh, so that would, in this case, that would lead to Lee Vandiverse versus uh, Aaron Hawkins. And that could be a really interesting race mm. uh, where, where, the, uh, where the important issues are drawn out to a greater degree, where you've got a clash of, of, of two people coming from quite opposing ideological positions. So, um, yeah, SDV determined it. If we had a different system, would Aaron Hawkins uh, be mayor? It's 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 hard to say if it had been if it had been in the end a runoff between those two candidates. Mm, mm. That's interesting, but I guess there's costs involved with that. Uh, other things that might make it a little bit out of the reach. Of yeah, but I, I, yeah, that's true. Uh, the, uh, the, it will be more costly, but uh, arguably it will be more democratic and. Uh, um, um, 
shouldn't we be prepared to spend a bit more if, if the system is more democratic and actually draws more people into uh, the election. I think if you had a runoff between, uh, I mean it was very confusing the amount of candidates that were actually standing for mayor uh, and I'm sure that's off-putting for a lot of people. If it comes down to just two candidates in the end, mm. uh, especially two polarising candidates, uh, then that might draw a lot more people into actually voting in the end. Mm, mm, mm. Um, so I mean maybe you could vote for the preference uh, when it gets to that point and not have to essentially vote in the first half of it for all 14 candidates. Yeah, there's various uh, scenarios of how that system yeah. could work. Yeah, but I mean, lots of other countries uh, have, have runoff uh, elections. Uh, yeah, but they don't have 14 people standing. Yeah, no. Like, and, and you know, because you'd be worried that if it was to go that way, um, would it be fair enough? Um, you know, would you be able to get 14 people? I mean, in a free and democratic society, we should be able to have 40, 100 people standing for mayor. Sure, absolutely. Uh, um, but again, the question is: if if no candidate actually really gets fifty percent over fifty percent of people's um, um, first preference votes, yeah. uh, uh, is their position as mayor uh, legitimate? And I think that's it's arguable. Mm. It's arguable. Mm. Um, would those people who uh, um, yeah, if, if people were more aware of the, of the power uh, uh, their second preference and third preference have, uh, um, uh, would they be more careful in how they vote? Yeah, yeah. Well, maybe uh, if you want to be careful about voting, you should be careful about uh, reading up on the material of how the system works first as well. Um, uh, Jeffrey, what, what's what's on Aaron's cards? What's his agenda? What what are we going to see happen? You think? Yeah, I mean, it's obviously going to be a green agenda. Um, we're going to see greater focus on public transport, um, more cycleways, I think. Possibly uh, the pedestrianisation of George Street. Um, uh, Hawkins was a big fan of the parklets, and I think uh, they are the first stage uh, probably to a more uh, pedestrian-friendly main street. Uh, probably we're going to see uh, reduced and more expensive parking in the central city. Um, but Aaron Hawkins has also emphasised the need for more public housing in Dunedin. I think it's going to be really interesting if he delivers on that one. Um, um, so we'll have to see. And, of course, you know, he's going to emphasise the need for action on climate change. And the DCC's already signed up to being a carbon-neutral uh, city, so there's going to be a lot of action um, towards towards that. So it'll be really interesting to see uh, how Aaron Hawkins goes. Uh, in the next three years, he's seen this example of Justin Lester up in uh, Wellington, who was a Labour mayor uh, with Graham Plans, who uh, has been booted out now after just one term. So, you know, he's obviously going to be a notice that if he doesn't deliver, you know, Lee Vanovitz is sitting there waiting and will <laughs> have a lot of material to campaign on come 2022 if, if Aaron Hawkins doesn't follow through. So, um, you know, it's going to be really interesting to see uh, how it all goes. Yeah, be perched on top of town hall like a gargoyle, just just waving <laughs> to pounce. <laughs> I think Aaron Hawkins' advantage is that he works better with people, and he's a coalition builder. So, uh, in terms of his platform, his, his agenda, uh, he's more than likely uh, to be able to get it pushed through council. Mm. Uh, whereas Lee, if Lee Vanderbilt had become mayor, uh, he sort of um, his agenda would be far more difficult to be pushed through uh, because even amongst the, the more right-leaning uh, councillors uh, there's quite a hostility uh, towards yeah. Lee Vandivis and obviously general. 
personality. And obviously with the voter base as well, we look at Andrew Wiley's second preferences, a lot of those going to Aaron Hawkins. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, well, other results uh, with that. Who is he working with? I mean, we've got um, three people left. Three people uh, vacated their seats at this election, so we're going to get at least three new um, people in there. Uh, we ended up getting four with only one candidate losing their seat. Um, Jeffrey, um, we went from... So Damien Newell's gone, so one of the four... Right, well, right. One breakfast so, host so, is gone. Yeah, so Damien Newell is out, but he's the only one, uh, only current or serving councillor who wasn't re-elected, um, who, who wanted to be. Um, but we've got now four new councillors in total as a result of the retirement and the vacancy created by the uh, by, by Damien Newell. So you've got Carmen Hullahan, Jules Radich, Sophie Barker, and then the Labour candidate, Steve Walker. Um, and so you've got uh, three candidates there, Hullahan, Radich, and Barker, who I assess are more on the business-friendly end of the spectrum, mm-hmm. uh, possibly centre-right. It's always very hard because none of these candidates like to say, I'm you know, centre-right or I'm centre-left or whatever. They, they love to use their platitudes about, you know, doing what's right for Dunedin and so on. But if you assess their positions, they think essentially they're business people. Um, and so, you know, uh, Sophie Barker is also the uh, partner, incidentally, of Momali. Uh, <laughs> they could be dangerous. Counselor. Yeah, so, um, so I, if you actually look at the uh, councillors, it's actually fairly split. I mean, I did just a little quick back of the envelope uh, tallying up, and essentially you've got seven sort of vaguely left and seven vaguely on the right. Um, so Hawkins is going to have to do some convincing. Uh, it's by no means going to be a, uh, um, you know, a walkover for Aaron Hawkins to get through his agenda, but as John says, he does do better at working with people. I think that's an, an easy <laughs> a statement to make uh, compared with Vandivis. Um So, you know, Hawkins is going to do some do some convincing. And I think he's going to be able to do that. He's not going to be able to get everything that he wants, but I think he is going to um, bring together some kind of consensus for uh, his agenda. Um, and, and there are lots of projects already in train in Dunedin, um, the cycleway around the harbour being one. And I think you know most of the councillors are going to see that it would be a benefit to Dunedin to complete that. Um, you know, the waterfront plans in some form I think will go through. Um, you know, it's just, you know, the, the degree to which that, that goes through with the bridge and so on. Um, you know, so, uh, you know, again, it will be really interesting. Um, but, of course, you know, the mayor does just have one vote and, you know, he's going to have to bring together a team. Mm-hmm. Tell me, yes, eh? Yeah, I, th- I think one advantage with Aaron Hawkins in terms of uh, working with those people who more lean towards the right of council is that he, he hasn't presented himself as a, 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 as a big spending uh, uh, social democrat or socialist, say. Uh, in some ways, his platform is quite um, uh, fiscally conservative. So, for example, yes, he, he has um, definitely sort of a platform of more social housing, but he wants that funding to come from selling uh, the Wall Street Mall, which might be a surprise to many people is actually owned by the city council mm. uh, so he's um, um, which is an interesting position for someone on the left to stand on uh, actually selling off a uh, council asset mm. uh, but nonetheless I think that would um, quite possibly appeal to uh, more conservative councillors that yes we can invest in social count, uh, social housing but it's not going to raise the, the overall spending of, of the of the council necessarily yeah, we're going we're to find other ways to do it. We're qu- we've only got a couple of minutes left. Um, let's quickly, we'll, we'll mention the other centres and then talk about turnout. Um, what, what happened in the other uh, centres, Geoffrey? 
Oh, well, the other centres we had, Phil Goff, of course, uh, winning big in Auckland over John Tamahiri. I don't think that was a, a huge surprise. Christchurch, also Leander Ville uh, won. Um, you know, she had uh, a couple of challenges, including John Minto, but she won fairly convincingly, convincingly although not as big as she did in um, the last election. Uh, and, of course, Wellington was a big surprise where mm. you had Justin Lester defeated by Andy Foster. Uh, and, you know, the line from... The left seems to be, oh, you know, Andy Foster was bankrolled by, by Peter Jackson because um, he got around uh, $30,000 in donations from uh, from Peter Jackson and uh, Peter Jackson's companies uh, for his campaign. Um, but, but I think there was a lot of um, discontent with Justin Lester over the various projects in Wellington. Um, the library was, uh, you know, half destroyed by the earthquake, so it's been shut down. Uh, well, I mean, half the story is perhaps going a bit too far, but the foundations were made insecure by that earthquake, so it had to be shut down, the main central library, and, um, you know, Justin Lester's had big project for a convention centre, so on. So he's uh, kind of failed after this three years. Uh, you know, he came in as the big left hope and was talked about as a future prime minister uh, and was the Labour man there in Wellington, but he's, he's been booted out by, by Andy Foster, who uh, has been around in Wellington politics for quite a number of years. I understand he's been a councillor since 1995, um, so he's got some support from Peter Jackson this time around, but you, know, you can't buy uh, an election. Um, you know, we saw this with Kim.com in the, you know, the national election five years ago when he spent up large, uh, got nowhere. Um, you've got to have the issues and you know, and Justin Lester, you know, presented an ideal target, really, given his failure to deliver. All right, uh, and just quickly, John, um, diversity and turnout. Uh, we'll just stick with diversity. Um, how, how do we... Uh, I saw a 6% um, increase in uh, uh, women mayors around the country. Mm. Um, what else are we seeing from just council seats? Yeah, a lot more youth, uh, for example, and, um, um, yeah, just a, a general increase in, in women councillors and, and youth uh, councillors, etc. And uh, so I guess that, that's definitely one positive aspect of this election, despite the low uh, voter turnout still. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, despite depending on your political perspective, uh, who won and who lost, um, but its councils are notorious for being uh, the bastion of old white males, old white conservative males. Uh, that's been slowly changing, but not to the degree which we see with Parliament. Yeah, uh, and um, and uh, so it's a positive change, and I think we can expect uh, more changes over the coming years. Yeah, um, youngest mayor, twenty eight. Um, which is amazing. Mm. Uh, all right, and Aaron, of course, only 35 years young. Uh, thank you both for joining me this morning. Always a pleasure, John and Jeffrey. Have a lovely Thanks day. Much. And we'll thank talk you. again soon. This was a Radio 191 FM podcast. You can find more at r1.co.nz or wherever quality content is found.